morning everyone and happy Mother's Day mums. I love Mother's Day. It's a day I feel fully connected um, to my past, remembering my childhood memories and special times I had with my mum and also through my children being connected to my future and with God, a really great connection with God. And in our household, the children love to hear about the story of the day they were born. And for three, all three of them, of course, the story's completely different. And I really love Hannah's story. It's also about a mother and her child. It's about faith, rivalry, and God. So we know it's going to be good. So, there was a certain man from Ramathaim, a Zephite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah, the other Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. And year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. And this went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house, and in her deep anguish Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth, and Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk, <laughs> and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find, find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. And when Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. 
Do what seems best to you, her husband Elkanah told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ipa of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He shall be given over to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord there. Right, so the book of 1 Samuel records a major change from the time of the judges to Israel's first king. The judges had led the Israelites for about 350 years after the death of, Samuel, uh, death of Joshua, and Samuel was the last of the judges. He was also a prophet and a priest. Samuel anointed Saul and David as kings of Israel. Now there's a list of Elkanah's family in verse 1, and it probably means he was an important man. We know he was faithful. He went year after year to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh. And I mean, Israelite men had to go and offer sacrifices to God at three particular times a year. In Exodus 23:14, it says, Three times a year you are to celebrate a festival to me. And verse 17 says, Three times a year all the men are to appear before the sovereign Lord. So Elkanah and his family worshipped and gave their sacrifices to God. The priests would burn a part of the animal, and that was the part for God. And then they would eat a portion, and lastly, the people could eat the rest of the meat. And they were really happy times for the people. And whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Peninnah, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion. And that was his way of showing her that he considered her to be worthy. So in that culture, uh, uh, honoured guests were given a larger serving. It was also because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. I was shocked when I, when I first read that part. I mean, the man has two wives, and that was never God's plan. Right at the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis, it shows that God wanted men to only have one wife. A man is meant to be united to his wife. They will become one flesh. But in that time, it was acceptable for a man to have two wives, especially if his first wife couldn't have children. Men wanted children, a son especially, to continue that family name. And for Hannah, it was considered extremely shameful to be barren. So Hannah lives childless with her husband's younger wife who's fertile, and her name even means fertility. And Peninnah is mean to Hannah. She mocks Hannah, and you can imagine those the snide remarks and the comments and the flaunting of every pregnancy. It would have been unbearable for Hannah. And Peninnah is even mean to her when they go to the temple at Shiloh. It would have been a family celebration. There would have been gifts and children everywhere, and Hannah is so upset that she can't even eat anything. And her husband just doesn't get it. He tells her... Why would you be sad when you've got me? Am I not worth ten sons? <laughs> 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 
all this misery for Hannah, and on top of everything, the Lord had closed her womb. But Hannah wasn't the only barren woman in the Bible. There was Sarah, she was in her 90s when she had Isaac, and he was the child of promise, and from her barrenness, all the nations would be blessed. There was Rebecca, and not only was Isaac's mother barren, but so was his wife. She prayed and Isaac petitioned God, and when she finally conceived, after 20 years of marriage, she had twins, Esau and Jacob. And from Jacob comes the house of Israel, the chosen family from whom God would call his first fruits as a body of witnesses to his ways, beginning with his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. There was Rachel. She was the third barren woman, Jacob's wife. She produced two sons, Joseph, whose character brought physical salvation to his family from a severe famine, and Benjamin, who Rachel died giving birth to. And there was Samson's mother. She was the fourth barren woman, and she prayed to God, and he gave her one son, who was to be the strongest physically of all the judges in that period of Israelite history. And Samson was given to the priests of God as a Nazarite vow from his, from his mother, and his hair was never cut until he met Delilah. <laughs> and after Hannah, of course, there was the first wife of David, Saul's daughter. She was the prize for the man who could bring down the dreaded Goliath. And the seventh and final woman of Scripture was Elizabeth, the wife of Zacharias, who was barren, but in her old age conceived a son, and this son was the cousin of Jesus of Nazareth, John the Baptist, who Jesus said was the greatest man born of woman. But the point is, when God closes a womb and then opens it, there's a really profound reason for doing so. And each of these women and their sons played a vital role in the history of the nation of Israel. But we have to ask, what about now? Is God still opening and closing wombs? I know a lot of women who have had trouble conceiving a child, Christian and non-Christian, and Ian and I have an eight-year gap between our first and second child. And when Antonia started school, I was desperate, absolutely desperate for a second child. A, a baby did come along for us, but I know that I would, ha would have raged at God. I would have been saying, give me what I want. Why do you give babies to people that don't want them? Why, God, when millions of babies are aborted or living terrible, miserable lives, why won't you let me have one? And the spiritual implications of infertility can put deep gouges in our faith. We feel anger towards God, and we ask, am I doing something that keeps him from, from answering me? It's not fair, and we live in a world that's broken. And our faith doesn't make us immune to, to experiencing brokenness. Infertility is part of that. I think the hardest thing to come to terms with is that God doesn't operate by our definition of fairness. Nor does he give out blessings only to those that deserve them. In Matthew 5.45 it says, He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. God never promised that we would be able to comprehend his ways. In fact, he says in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
in the next scene, we see, and I picture this scene really clearly. For me, it feels like a painting. I see that Hannah's family, they're all finishing eating and drinking. Hannah's standing up, and in her deep anguish, she prays, and she makes that vow, and Eli sees her. And you have to wonder about Eli and his mistake with Hannah. Why did he think she was drunk? rather than in grief and anguish. And we know that she was weeping bitterly. And verse 12 says, she kept on praying to the Lord. This was a repeated request, saturated with tears. And how often do we, do, do us, uh, these respectable people, how often do we pour out our grief at the state of our lives and our world we even censor our joyfulness so that we're not seeing as, as being disorderly or overly emotional. But this is the kind of truth that God respects in a church. People who can tell the truth about their lives, tell the truth about how they miss those that have died, tell the truth about their unfulfilled dreams, and tell the truth about their deepest brokenness. And when we're broken in pieces, and the world does that to us, it breaks us. And when we're on the floor, we can follow Hannah's example. We can be a people willing to pour out our truth before our loving God. And this is a truth that Jesus said would set us free. You know, if you hold to my teaching, you are my disciples, then you will know this truth, and that truth will set you free. And Hannah didn't know that the Lord was about to open her womb. But in the middle of her suffering, she found peace. She left her concerns with the Lord when she prayed, and she went her way, she ate something, and she wasn't downcast. It's a great lesson for us, because sometimes our prayers seem to go unanswered. And we know that not all women who want a child will have one. It doesn't mean that God doesn't hear us. We know he does. In 1 Peter 3.12, it says that the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to our prayer. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. We know he does. In Jeremiah 31.3, it says, the Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. And any answer to prayer, whatever that might be, will be according to God's will. And John wrote, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You know, maybe those prayers that we think are unanswered are just being answered no. No, because there are things you don't understand, no, because I have something better planned, or no, because I love you too much to say yes. And we need to find that peace despite the circumstances of our lives. We need to hold on to it and live out of it and live into a new relationship with God. God uses our circumstances to change us. He brings good out of our pain, and maybe someone will come to know Christ because of that pain. Maybe we'll become more equipped to comfort others because of that experience. And we need to trust God's love for us and trust that he wants the very best for us and pray for his best, whatever and whenever that may be. And now, even before Samuel was born, Hannah dedicated him to the Lord. 
And she is so confident that as part of her prayer, she makes that vow that if she is given a son, he will be dedicated to the Lord for his entire life. And Hannah promised her future son to God as a priest and to demonstrate that depth of her commitment, she committed her boy to a Nazarite vow for his whole life. Hannah's faith was so profound, and more than anything, Hannah wanted that child. She wanted, it for, she wanted him for her husband, for herself, and for God. And this was a woman who knew the Lord on a personal level. She was a believer, and she was openly active in the practice of her faith. And Hannah realized an important truth. Children aren't just ours, they're for the Lord. And after Samuel was born, Elkanah went once again to Shiloh to worship, and Hannah didn't go. She didn't go until Samuel was weaned, so maybe he was about three years old. And in that time, she dedicated herself to her child. She nursed him and nurtured him, knowing that when he was able to eat on his own, she was going to take him and present him to the Lord, and he was going to live there always. And it would have been so tempting to forget her, that promise, and Hannah didn't. She knew that her child belonged to God. So she brings Samuel to the house of the Lord, and it says in verse 28, so now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. And I can picture Hannah giving her little boy to the Lord in service and then this little three-year-old bowing and worshipping the Lord. True dedication is hard. It involves sacrifice. It cost Elkanah and Hannah their only child at that time. It's not an easy thing to do and Hannah's dedication of Samuel is a reminder that everything we have comes from God. Our children, our homes, our lives, God gave Samuel to Hannah and Hannah gave Samuel back to the Lord. And I think the greatest gift we can give our children is the truth that we're saved. The greatest investment you can make in life is that of investing in a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. A vital and real relationship with him that impacts the way we live our lives. Uh, I had a, a very dear friend who wanted a child, and she was a woman who had a great faith, but there was never any chance of her having a baby. She'd been unwell for many years, and she hadn't even had a woman's cycle in over 10 years. And when she was at the hospital, she was getting a scan to check on the advancement of her stomach cancer. And there, growing in the tumors, was a baby. And it was so miraculous, no one could believe it. It was just, it was a miracle. And of course, that's what the minister said at her funeral a year and a half later. And 10 years on, when I see my niece, I see my sister-in-law standing before me. And I see now with faith that great gift that God gave her. And I also see that just like Hannah, she knew she, she never was going to have long with her child. So she nurtured and cared for her, and she did something else. She made sure that her child would know God. She provided for her spiritual needs as well as her physical, and she left instructions. She made sure that we knew the church she wanted her daughter to go to, the Christian school she would attend, and then she left this great parental lesson for me to find all these years later. 
And that beautiful, beautiful impact that knowing Jesus had on her life impacts now on her child's life and in my life. And this God, you know, who we want fairness from is also the same God who provided redemption through his son, Jesus Christ. Our God is a very, very great God. Mothers, this is your day. May God bless you in it. So let's pray. God, our creator, we pray for new mothers coming to terms with responsibility, for expectant mothers wondering and waiting for those who are tired and stressed, for those who struggle to balance the task of work and family, for those children who have physical, mental or emotional disabilities, and for those who raise children on their own, for those who have lost a child, for those who care for the children of others for those whose children have left home, and for those whose desire to be a mother has not been fulfilled. Bless all mothers that their love may be deep and tender and that they may lead their children to know and do what is good, living not for themselves, but for you, Lord, and for others. Amen. Connection Point is a joint production between Connection Resources and Shore Community Christian Church. If you would like a free copy of today's message, please email us or phone us on 0800 90 30 90. To subscribe to our free podcasts or to listen to the latest message, go to connectionresources.org.nz.